0: hey folks this is kevin on this week's episode of risk you'll hear iffy waddy way they're like watch you're gonna get there and the door to your room is gonna be gone i was like nah haha ha, yeah it's crazy <laughs> i get there and the door to my room was gone
1: <laughs> that and more but before that i just want to say i was so moved This week to get this email from a woman named Elizabeth Green. She's a critical care RN, a registered nurse working in an ICU at one of the major New York City hospitals right now. And she said, I love risk and I'm listening when you say you need more funding to keep going without the live shows. I just joined for $25 a month at your Patreon because you get me through all my lunch breaks. And now more than ever, I need risk to help me get through these next few months. It's such an honor to get a message like that from one of the heroes, really and truly one of the heroes who is helping all of us get through this time. Yes, we're worried about the future of risk because of all of this that's going on but we do have the blessing of being able to work from home. There's so many people out there who have jobs that they have to keep doing out there in the world to keep everything just going. And we are so, so deeply grateful. Other people who gave $25 or more per month recently were Jan Wright, Kathy Jin, Rob WK, Matthew McKenzie, and Michelle McCullen. We're so very grateful to people who are chipping in to patreon.com slash risk. I'm about to upload a new check-in, a video check-in, where I just speak into a camera for 40 minutes or so about how I'm currently doing there on Patreon. There are now over 100 bonus stories available on Patreon, and there's all sorts of perks and prizes for becoming a member at patreon.com slash risk. Not to mention the fact that you'll really be helping us and we do need that help. Also, we have a very special and very exciting announcement. We will be holding our first ever risk live online show <laughs> on Thursday, March 26th at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. No matter where you are in the world, you can come and see it by getting a ticket at risk-show.com slash tour. The Risk Live Stream online show will be just like a regular in-person Risk Live show with a cast of four storytellers telling brand new stories and me hosting. We'll also have a live Q&A with the audience at the end of the show. Now, tickets for the Risk Live Streamed online show are $10 each for the general public and free for our Patreon members and members of the press and a limited number of folks really in need of financial assistance. As you know, we're missing out on live show income during the pandemic. So if a lot of you buy tickets to watch our online live shows, That'll really help us out. You can get your ticket to the show for just $10 at risk-show.com slash tour. And if you're a Patreon supporter, check our patron posts for information on how you can watch the show for free, If you're a member of the press or someone in need of financial assistance, email me at kevin at risk-show.com and I'll tell you how you can get your free ticket. There's a limited audience capacity for this online show because of the platform we're using to broadcast it. So if you want to watch the show, make sure to register for it at risk-show.com slash tour before all the tickets are gone. We can't wait to see you there. It's going to be very, very interesting. (laughs) I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So that's all. Go to risk com slash tour and get your ticket for Thursday's live-streamed online show now.
2: get IXL now and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com/audio visit IXL.com/audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price get the champagne ready the
0: NBA finals are here welcome to the NBA finals let's raise our glasses and our rings to the two phenomenal teams left standing My Here's the high stakes action, to thrilling moments we can't miss. He turns the game at the buzzer. It's a crowning our next champion. Here's a toast to the NBA Finals. Bam! Bam! The 2024 NBA Finals presented by
1: YouTube TV continue on ABC. Now here's the show. Hello kids, this is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, this is John Batiste behind me now, and we're calling this week's episode Adaptation. I am in the same boat that you are, I would assume, kind of in shelter in place, staying in my apartment as much as is humanly possible. I'm probably like you, like dealing with so many emotions and so much that is new. That, you know, it can be challenging to do these things that we know are best to do for ourselves, like making sure to exercise, making sure to meditate, making sure to journal, making sure to make appointments now to speak to friends and loved ones online. I, you know, I, I have to admit, I didn't, I didn't do so good this weekend. I'm recording this on Sunday night, March twenty second, twenty twenty, and I must admit, I spent most of the weekend kind of smoking pot and <laughs> checking out. It is just such an extraordinary time. All of us are concerned with taking care of ourselves, but we should also remember to. Be mindful of what is going on for the most vulnerable people in our society right now. There are a lot of wonderful organizations, Meals on Wheels, No Kid Hungry, the National Domestic Workers Alliance. I know that the Sanders campaign, the Bernie Sanders campaign, is taking any contributions that are made toward the campaign and giving it to a lot of these wonderful charities directly right now now if you didn't hear the open announcement if you happen to maybe skip the open announcement risk is having our first ever online live streamed show on thursday this thursday at nine thirty p.m eastern standard time go to risk dash show.com slash tour to get your tickets We're extremely excited about this. It's going to be very new for us, and it's looking like it's going to be extraordinary. Let's dive into the stories today. We have another long episode for you today. We've we've kind of been feeling like giving you a little extra risk recently because everyone seems to need a little (laughs) extra. Extra risk <laughs> So in a little bit we're going to hear a story From Tracy Sagara Who is one of our favorites But before that A little anecdote By Ryan Estrada And before that A story that comedian Ify Wadiwe Shared at a Risk live show In Los Angeles last year Here he is now This is Ify Wadiwe With a story we call The Subletter
0: How's everyone doing? Let's get this started. So, this actually happened to me two years ago. And you know I was riding high. We, every year we'd go to New York for the Del Close Marathon to do some improv, have some fun. And the prior two years, I guess New York just didn't find out about Airbnb yet because it was real cheap and you get the whole place. And so I was like, oh, this is, my, this is my move, this is my move. And I'm like the type C person where I'm never planning, I'm just gonna wing it. And so of course I waited till two weeks before to try and find an Airbnb. Uh, New York found out that year, uh, it was very expensive. And if he was rushing, so he just wasn't paying attention to what I was signing up for. But I found a spot that seemed perfect. I was like, it's cheap. It looks good. Let's do it. I paid for it. It was reserved. And then I immediately got a message from the person who was airbnb for me. And, you know, since this is recorded, uh, you know, I'm not going to say her name, but I will say it rhymed with Schmidney. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you, you know she went ahead and she sent me a message and she was like what are you coming to new york for and i was like oh i was like you know in my bio i say i'm a comedian you know so I, if i'm in your city use an airbnb i'm probably here for a festival she's like cool cool what kind of festival i do music i was like oh well it's comedy so you know we really don't have much opportunities for music also it's already booked and she was like okay cool check this out and she sent two periscopes to me and this is way at periscope isn't in anymore so that was already uh (laughs) i was like this isn't a thing uh why am i going to a periscope the first video that she sent just started on her ass and it wasn't like a sexy like ass shot it's like oh you don't know you're starting to record uh ass shot like it was definitely a plumber's like butt cleavage uh type situation and it was there For five minutes, like I had to, like, go, you know, speed up the video. I was like, let me get to the point. And then she turns the camera and she's just rapping. And it's, and you know, it's not great. I'm going to be honest. You know, I'm a rap connoisseur. It's not great. But I'm such an optimist. I was looking at the video and I was like, oh. This place does look nice, though. (laughs) This place looks amazing. I need. This is great. So, you know, I'm in an all-black improv group, and we're called white women, obviously. Uh, And so I I send it to the group chat. I'm like, y'all, this is crazy. This woman sent me a picture of her ass crack, but the room looks nice. Uh, Y'all are suckers for buying your rooms at a timely time. I'm going to come up. So I thought it would end right there. I thought, you know, usually this is already the most I've talked to any Airbnb host. (laughs) Usually they're like a ghost. uh, Spooky. They're like, the keys are under a rock. See you later. Uh, But no, this didn't happen. What happened next was I got another message, and she was like, When's your flight coming in? And I was like, This is weird, but maybe she's just doing some scheduling stuff. She needs to hand me the keys so I can get the place. So I tell her the flight, and she's like, Okay, good, 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 good. So did you listen to my music? <laughs> and I was like, Yeah, I did, I did. And then she sent me a picture of a streaming application. Uh, nothing I can press, nothing I can listen. And I was like, oh, I can't listen to this. And she was like, yeah, you got to find it on SoundCloud. And I was like, okay, I will. I didn't. Uh, (laughs) I was like, it's it's cool. And so then I, I lay that to rest. We get ready to fly to New York. And you know, there's gonna be lots of points in this story that you may be wondering if you, why didn't you get out of there? And the answer to that will always be because I was broke at the time. Uh, So anytime that that question pops up, because it starts to ramp up, just know I was broke at the time. Uh, (laughs) So I get to the airport and i like, once again this was bad planning for me all the way through because I also had like a eight hour layover in Houston, at a time where it didn't make it worth it to leave the airport, but while I'm there for the layover, just kind of hanging out, I get another message from uh, Schmidtney, and uh, <laughs> and she says, "Are you almost here?" And I said, "No, I'm on this layover." She was like, "Send me a video introducing yourself." <laughs> now at this point, I, I'm like in an airport in route I can't bail out now so now I'm in this airport groggy and it's like hey how's it going I'm iffy real excited to stay at your house Uh, I hope you're excited for me to stay there Uh, and I send it and she was like okay cool I just want to make sure you're not crazy I'm like oh okay (laughs) So I get on the plane, and look, I'm L.A. born and raised. Angelino at heart. Uh, Yeah, it was good. Uh, Which means, like, I've only been going to New York at this point four times a year. And I've only been in Brooklyn, uh, which is now the white part. uh, Manhattan, the other white part. And then this place was, like in harlem which is not the white part which you know i'm like i'm a brother you know i'm fine but it definitely was like you know i was listening to a little too much wu-tang i got in my head and it was definitely like a rougher place but i was fine i mean it definitely wasn't how it looked on the airbnb but it was fine (laughs) (laughs) i remember like discussing this with the guys and they're like, iffy. you might have to just pay a little more money and go somewhere else. This isn't looking good. I was like, nah, you know, it's, it's crazy. They're like, watch, you're going to get there and the door to your room is going to be gone. I was like, nah, ha ha, yeah, it's crazy. I get there and the door to my room was gone. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah so I entered the house door in the room gone and she was like yeah my last guest kicked it out real crazy that's why I was scared about you being crazy I was like oh okay cool uh so there's just no door uh great and so in my quickness to get this place I never took the time to like know what type of Airbnb. Because in my head at this point, I thought Airbnb, you just get the place. All Airbnbs are like that. And I was like, no, uh, it was for the room. But it was a one bedroom. And she was like, I'm going to be on the couch. And I was like, alright, cool. Definitely not cool. <laughs> but I, it was cool. First night went well. You know, I definitely was staring at the where the door should be the whole night. But then we just go to the next level. We get closer than we ever did. So I... Um, I'm standing there and, you know, we're just having our morning conversation. She was asking me what I was going through for the day. She was giving me all these great stories. Like she's told me how, you know, uh, Kim Kardashian stole her whole idea for her fashion line, but she's still going to release it anyway. And I was supporting her because I'm a good guest. Uh, I need to get those five stars. So I was like, yeah, no, nah, you totally should. And uh, she pulled up some concepts. I was like, those, they look great. But in the morning, our conversation took a turn, mostly because while we were having a conversation, she just was getting dressed in front of me. Uh, She just took her shirt off and her breasts were there. Uh, And I was like, "Okay, we're close, I guess. Uh, (laughs) But when she put her shirt on, uh, she asked me a question that I've never uh, been expecting to be asked in an airbnb after seeing someone shirtless and the question was uh you know about the illuminati uh and i was like oh no <laughs> oh God. and so obviously you know i i i'm still trying to play nice and i was like yeah i heard of them uh you've seen their stuff uh, on the youtubes uh you know they got a large clientele uh <laughs> and she was like yeah uh the illuminati killed my brother and I was like, oh, she's like, yeah, you know, that's why I'm rapping. Because, you know, he was going to be a rapper, too, but he was getting too big. And the Illuminati found out and they killed him. And I was like, oh, OK, I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Like 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 I know we were gonna have this heart to heart about your brother, but I gotta go. And she's like, okay, cool. So now I'm like, okay, this I gotta get out of here uh, because I don't want. It's, you know, the, if you believe in the Illuminati, you gotta have a door. I, got, I need a door between me and you uh, at all times. I I am now. She was like real chill sometimes, but she really was like. Who are you like? She definitely always had the energy of like, I don't like you in my house. And I was like, oh, that's how Airbnb works uh, as you invite people to your house. So I go to the rest of white women and I'm telling them the story. And they're like, we told you. And I was like, oh, yeah, but I need to get out of here. Now, uh, this is the point, we're two years in our career, where we've learned the beauty of having your own hotel to yourself. And uh, so no one wants to let me crash with them. And then, like, she's texting me, like, where are you? Where, where are you doing? When are you going to be home? Like, we, you know, we going to grab dinner? It's like, <laughs> this is too much. I don't want this. And uh, so, like, Lamar, finally, my buddy Lamar, he's like, look, you can stay at my place. I'm in a hotel you just got to get your stuff. And I was like, okay, obviously this woman can't see me leaving because I don't know what's going to go down. So I went back and, you know, I definitely went back to scope the place out and she wasn't there. And I was like, I got to move now. So I pack up all my things. (laughs) I I pack up all my things and I get out of there and I run to his hotel and I drop it off. And I'm like, cool, I'm safe. And then she texts me again. She was like, Hey, when are you coming back? And I was like, Oh, look here's what happened uh you know this uh my buddy has a hotel a lot closer to the festival and that's where i need to be so i thought that i'm gonna just leave uh (laughs) and i was like don't worry i'm still paying for the nights and she was like oh okay are you with the cia and (laughs) it's like what what do you what what do you mean uh (laughs) She was like, well, I just find it kind of funny that you stayed at my house for only one night and then you disappear without even telling me goodbye. I don't even see your face. It just seems like something the CIA would do. Uh, <laughs> which I was like, okay, I mean, also, if I'm in the CIA, I'm not going to tell you. Uh, that's the rules. Uh, <laughs> but also, like, it was like, now I went from, like, kind of being like, okay, this is great, to, like, Now I was afraid. Like, I was afraid because, like, she was like, no, I can't have you coming in my house, getting information, and then trying to run away. And I was like, no, I'm not with the CIA. Just a comedian trying to go. And, like, I truly was, like, spending the rest of my time in New York looking over my shoulder at every chance I could. Uh, (laughs) And luckily for me, she was never there. Uh, I did out of fear, leave her a five-star review (laughs) because I did not want that energy coming back to me. I have yet to see what she left me as a review and it's something that I think about all the time because if she left me a one-star review, I'd be very mad and it's unfair. Uh, But that was the time I learned that it's uh, best to plan things out and to buy hotels and Airbnbs on time. Thank you so much.
3: I used to work for one of the largest financial institutions in the world. I was a trainer for their call center in India, but actually there was nothing for me to do. Their employees were way too busy to actually attend my training, so I held three classes in two years. I still had to be in the building eight hours a night, but I was not allowed to do any work. The internet was blocked. Solitaire was blocked. For information security reasons, we couldn't even bring in phones, books, or paper. So I went stir-crazy. I got cabin fever, and I haunted the office first i'd started crawling around at the ceiling i'd climb up through a closet and i'd cross all the beams that led to my friend's cubicles and then i'd gently scratch at the ceiling to spook them and then slowly slide the tiles just enough to stare through and whisper they'd look up see a pair of eyes and i'd slam the tile back shut and disappear i never told anyone it was me Another thing, though... uh, My manager friends always complained about the pointless, boring meetings they had to run. So one day, they excused themselves for one, and I decided to spice it up. I ran through a shortcut. Now, I'm a very large man, so I thought it'd be hilarious if, as they arrived, I jumped out of a tiny cupboard and shouted, "Rar!" Like a spooky monster! So I squeezed in, I giggled, and I waited for my friends' voices. But I heard a lot more people than usual. Heads from every department. Then... A voice I'd never heard before. He introduced himself as the vice president of the entire company, fresh off a plane from New York City. Oh, no. I had greatly misjudged how big a meeting this was. He says, Thank you all for coming. We're here to discuss a five-point plan for the future of the company. There's a thump on top of my cupboard, and I realize he's leaning on it. He's going to run the entire meeting from here. There's no way I can come out now. I I had to wait for the meeting to end i was fine for the first 30 minutes but my knees were touching my ears my neck was bent 90 degrees my limbs were falling asleep and i was in burning pain the next half hour was hot i was sweating so much that my clothes were just drenched and then i had to fart my first concern of course was the sound last thing i needed was a wet sweaty pollock ghost toot echoing out of the cabinet I slowly shifted my arms so I could pull my cheeks apart, spray silently. I immediately had a new concern, the smell. I gagged. This also couldn't make a sound. I pushed the door half a millimeter with my elbow to let in some fresh air. Then I heard a crack. All this moving had shifted my weight, which was already straining the cheap plywood floor. Meaning outside stopped. I went completely still. After a few seconds, they continued breathed a sigh of relief until I realized I had to pee. An hour and 45 minutes in, the vice president clicked to his next slide and said, And now, on to point two. That's when I lost it. I couldn't take it anymore. I heaved with my shoulders and I rolled out of the cupboard. I collapsed onto the floor in front of 20 to 30 stunned department heads. Stood up, drenched in sweat, smelling of old farts, wobbling on my bloodless limbs. I looked at everyone and said, and ran out of the room I don't know what happened in the meeting after that but no one ever mentioned it to me again I think they were just so mortified that they didn't know what to say and I left the job soon after that because I was clearly losing my mind out of boredom but I do know that the next time the call center's contract was up for renewal it was cancelled I really hope it wasn't because of the idiot in the cupboard
4: So at 34 years old, there are two things that I want more than anything else in the world, and that's to marry the man I love and to have my father be by by my side to walk me down the aisle. Now, the first one's going just great. Found the guy. The wedding is set for six months from now, beautiful outdoor wedding. The second one's a bit of a problem, though, because my father is currently sitting in a jail cell in the Bronx. It's for contempt of court. My parents' divorce is incredibly nasty. I'm not even sure what it's all about. It's about money and he's skipping town. But anyway, so he's in this jail cell in the Bronx. And so that's why I am here, sitting here, in the visitor's room. And I'm here with my brother. And we have also invited my mother. Now, this woman hates this man with the heat of a thousand suns. But she has decided to come here. She's agreed to come here. And my brother and I both think that she had something to do with my father being here. But even so, she's agreed to be here. My father is this handsome, charming salesman, gambler, and a con (laughs) man. He looks like Robert Reed from the Brady Bunch, any of you are old enough to remember. He's got this dark curly hair and a mustache. He is charming. He will do anything to make you laugh. And he's generous to a fault. My sister once described him perfectly. He's the kind of guy who'll give you the shirt off his back and then a week later shake you down for money to buy a new shirt. That's my dad. But when I was a kid, my dad was just my everything My mother was a teacher and had to get to work early every day So it was my father who would pour in my honeycombs, get me ready for school He was there when I won second prize at the gymnastics competition And when I was older, but not quite old enough to drink yet He bought me my first whiskey sour (laughs) My mother was the disciplinarian, the enforcer, the parent who rarely said yes My father slipped me 20s behind her back and could never say no So naturally, I grew up adoring him. But about 10 years earlier, when I was about 25 and already living outside of the house, my father one day, while my mother was at work, he packed up all his belongings from the 33 years of marriage in the Upper East Side Co-op where they lived together, and he put one of those rolling carts, and he rolled it up the block to move in with the B-movie actress who he had met while walking the dog. And after that, I rarely saw him. The one time I agreed to see him, he wanted me to meet his new girlfriend. So we go to this brownstone, and this woman, she was a B-movie actress, and then she turned into a vitamin entrepreneur. (laughs) And I walk into this brownstone, and I am greeted by this life-size cardboard cutout of her wearing a bikini made entirely of vitamin E capsules. (laughs) But after that... My father really makes no effort to stay in touch with me. And honestly, at the time, I tell myself that I am so angry with how he left my mother, and I'm just like, whatever, go, live your life, I don't care. But really, inside, it devastated me. But over time, I realized that, you know what? He was not the one I could count on. He was really not there for me in the way that my mother was. And my mother was always the one who would call and make plans. And we'd put him on the phone, and my father really wasn't all that generous when I thought about it because he had me co-sign a loan for the apartment that I was living in after college, and he defaulted on that loan, ruining my credit for the next seven years. But now that I'm getting married, just none of that seems to matter, and for some reason, I just feel this intense need to have my father be there by my side at my wedding. I mean, he's the first man I ever loved. So here we are, sitting in the Bronx house of detention. My father is there in his orange jumpsuit. My mother is sitting there, my brother is there. And the conversation around the table is really awkward and uncomfortable. And then we get to my mother. And my mother looks at my father and she says, Bob, you're a liar and a cheat and you have nobody but yourself to blame for being here. That went well. <laughs> And when we get out of the jail, I am just so upset about my wedding and my father being there, and he looks so horrible, and I just turn on my mother and I say, you know what, I know you say you have nothing to do with him being there, but if he's still in that jail cell and he's not at my wedding, I am never going to forgive you. And she pleads innocence that she had nothing to do with it, and we just go our separate ways, and I continue planning this wedding that I've been planning since I'm five years old. But every week that passes, my father's still sitting in that jail cell. I get more and more nervous and afraid that he's not going to be at my wedding. About two weeks before my wedding, I hear that my father is out of jail. And I'm not even sure how it happened, but I don't know if it was my brother And one of my sisters calls me. He's out. And I call him right away. And I say, Dad, I'm so glad you're out. You'll come to the wedding, right? And My father says, Tracy, why didn't you invite Nora. Nor is the B-movie actress Turned vitamin entrepreneur And I say, Dad, I can't I just can't, you know, I can't stand her And however I feel about my mother I'm not going to parade this woman In front of my mother at my wedding I say, Dad, I just can't And he says, okay, he goes, I'll be there It is now the night before My lakeside outdoor wedding And the weatherman is predicting rain And it cannot rain on my wedding day Not just because I'm bridezilla Because I am but because I have no contingency plans. I'm a terrible wedding planner. I've got no tent, no nothing. We could be like getting married by this lake in the pouring rain. So I go to sleep and I am filled with trepidation and anxious about the next day. Well, I wake up the next morning in my bed and breakfast and I carefully pull aside the curtain and I see the sun starting to rise and I think, okay, good omen. And I start to get dressed. For this day, I've been planning ever since I was a little girl. And I have my something old, which is my grandmother's beaded purse. I have my something new, which is my beautiful princess wedding gown. I have my something blue. I've painted my toenails blue for the wedding. And I have my something borrowed, which are my gorgeous diamonds and pearl Tiffany earrings. And they are borrowed because I carefully checked Tiffany's return policy before purchasing them. And they are going back to Tiffany's right after the wedding. And I head over to the lake And when I get to the lake I see my fiance looking handsome In his tuxedo down by the lake By the chuppah And I see my mother and my sisters And my guests in the white wedding chairs And he's not there My dad is not there And I get so fucking angry And I'm like I cannot believe He's going to ruin my wedding He's obviously still angry at me That I didn't invite Nora And then I say no No, I am not going to let him ruin this day. My brother will walk me down the aisle. It will be fine. But where's my brother? (laughs) I don't see him either. And I am turning all around until finally I look way behind me, and then up there on the hill by a tree is my brother. And standing next to him, looking incredibly uncomfortable in an ill-fitting tuxedo, is my dad. And I run over to him and I give him a big hug and I say, Dad, I am so glad you're here. And he says, Tracy, of course I'm here. And with my father on my left side and my mother on my right, the closest they've been in many years, I walk down the aisle and I marry the man I love. Later on at the reception, though, about 90% of the wedding guests mostly, my mother's friends and relatives totally ignore my father, won't even look him in the eye. He is a pariah, but he's there. And when we danced the father-daughter dance to sunrise and set, he smoothly glides me around that floor and for the first time in, gosh, I don't even remember, he gives me his complete attention. And it's a beautiful, beautiful day. Later on though, a few weeks later, I learned that this day could have gone so much differently. Apparently, my father calls my brother the night before the wedding, and he says, Gordon, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it to Tracy's wedding. Nora's given me an ultimatum. If I go to the wedding, she's going to kick me out. Tracy will understand. And my brother, who is the hero of this story, says... I cannot believe we are even having this conversation. No, she will not understand. If you don't go to this wedding, this is gonna be the biggest mistake you have ever made in your life. And dad, you have made a lot of mistakes in your life. And he tells me about waiting at the train station that morning wondering whether my my father was gonna get off that train. And then later when my father heads back to the city, Nora made good on her promise and all of his belongings are in garbage bags by the curb And he spends the next few months on my brother's couch until she eventually takes him back When my father left my mother ten years earlier, I remember thinking How do you just choose to stop loving somebody? And whether he chose to stop loving me that day too Listen, my father has never been the most perfect dad, the most honest or reliable one. And looking back, yeah, I'm sure he deserved to be sitting in that jail cell in the Bronx. But on a sunny day in June, when it was supposed to rain, and he had so much to lose, he made sure I knew that I was loved. He's my dad. Of course he didn't.
1: This is Risk. This is a Futuro mashup of The Temptations in Chicago. Before that, we heard a story from Tracy Cigara. who you can find at TracySagara.com. And before that, an anecdote by Ryan Estrada. You can find it at ryanestrada.com. Now, if you go to the Risk Podcast Fans Discussion Group, I posted a video last week that explains how you, you, the Risk fans, can be sending us those anecdotes, those stories that last three minutes and 30 seconds or less. And right now, we're asking people to send them in in regards to what you're going through in the current pandemic situation. Stories about little incidents, you know, conversations you've had or altercations you've witnessed or I don't know, things that popped up and happened in your life in the past couple of weeks that show how you're feeling. So go to the Risk Podcast Fans Discussion Group. Go look for that video that explains how to do it. If you have any questions, email me at kevin at risk-show.com. But send us your stories, your little anecdotes, your three minute and 30 seconds or less little stories of how you're doing during the crisis right now.
5: Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today.
1: Now, let's get back to the stories. In a little bit, we're going to hear an anecdote that pete brown sent in to us uh, about how he's doing right now during this whole pandemic situation but before that we're going to hear a story from nicole blaine nicole shared this one a little while back at the risk live show in los angeles you can find her at nicoleblaine.com here she is now with a story we call the Nightlight.
6: Nothing makes time stand more still than when you are watching your child go down the slide for the 27th time. It is like watching paint dry while simultaneously waiting for water to boil. To survive the psychological torture of the park, you know, the place where no matter how hard you push your mistakes away from you, they come swinging back to kick you in the face with some sand-filled crocs? I like to arrive by the middle of my day, 9 (laughs) a.m. Right when the dew on the slide can penetrate down to the underoos. And then I like to assess the scene for a cool-looking parent with whom I can converse with so I can properly ignore my children. (laughs) Enter Amanda, playground left. Sunlight bouncing off of her perfectly messy hand-combed ponytail, fashion-forward sweatpants, easily the coolest mom at the park. I convince my littlest to eat the sand next to her kids (laughs) so I can properly make my move. And as I approach the, for lack of a better word, MILF, (laughs) I suddenly realize I recognize Amanda from college have not seen her since. And it's so interesting when you run into people from long ago to see how they turn out later in life because back in college, Amanda and I had everything in common, okay? Same major, same sorority, same semester. We both got pregnant. Mm -hmm. That summer, she had a beautiful baby girl. I backpacked Europe. (laughs) Now, look, I never told her about my pregnancy. I didn't want to make it awkward since she chose to have a family, right? And then after college, we lost touch, as you often do with friends. But it was neat now finding her back in the same space, right? Here we are, same park, same slide, same diaper bag. Her with three kids, me with two. Now, reuniting with Amanda was everything that I wanted it to be. Right, She was still super sweet, and we do the usual catch-up, and I ask her, you know, what are you up to these days? What's happening? And she tells me, she goes, oh, well, I'm, I'm starting a new business, and this morning I took the kids on a hike through Temescal, and then I made some killer, vegan, organic, gluten-free, dairy-free apple spinach muffins. Hey, honey, you want to try one of my apple spinach muffins? And she hands one to my daughter, this dense green rock. <laughs> My daughter gags. (laughs) Says, no, thanks. We just stayed at McDonald's. (laughs) So I said, well, what uh, what business? What business are you starting? And she says, I'm a medium. I said, oh. I mean, you look more like a petite. But (laughs) She says, no, no, I'm I'm a spiritual medium. I can talk to people who have passed away. And I do readings and sessions. I said, wow. Look, I have never seen one episode of Ghost Hunter. I don't know who the latest Jersey Shore ghost whisperer is. But as an atheist, I am super intrigued and fascinated by spirituality. So 200 bucks later, that's with the friends and family discount. I am in a session with my old-slash-new BFF medium, Amanda, <laughs> and she summons the spirits. <sighs> oh. Ear. Ear. Ear lobe. Massaging of an ear. Pulling on an ear. And i was sort thinking, maybe... She's talking about my grandfather. Okay, he's the only one person in my family who has passed away, right? Now, if uh, my papa, he referred to me as my angel. And he always liked to tell the same two stories about me. The first thing he would tell you about me was when I was four years old, I begged him to take me to get my ears pierced. But my mother would not allow me to get my ears pierced. But he took me to the mall anyway. And I was so excited. And then he bought me some god-awful clip-on earrings. I did not want to accept this pathetic second-rate gift, so I threw myself down on the floor for a good three-hour temper tantrum. This caused him to forget where he parked the car, and then he had to drag around a screaming limp kid up and down 52 miles of parked cars and the 107 Fort Lauderdale heat. Fine. The second story he would tell you about me, and by the way, at that time, he was also, like, not calling me his angel. (laughs) The second story he would tell you about me is that is that I loved egg rolls. Egg rolls were my favorite food. And my entire family would always go out to dinner every single Sunday night. And when it was my turn to be celebrated, if I got straight A's on a report card, then I would get to pick the restaurant. And he would order me a giant crispy egg roll. And whenever I bit into it, it would burst with steam. And he would look at me and he'd wipe the drizzle off my face and give me a little wink. Unfortunately, my grandfather passed away a few years before my kids were born, and I was sad that they never had the opportunity to meet him. One night, when my daughter was a very little baby, I was rocking her to sleep in our ritualistic shakedown. The glow from the pink nightlight was dancing in her eyes. My favorite thing to do every night was to kiss her chubby cheeks and her neck But on this night, she kept twisting away from me and reaching out into the dark shadow of the night. And she started giggling. And I was like, what? What are you giggling at over there? And I was annoyed because she was making it so I couldn't get all the sloppy kisses that I want. But she kept pulling away and twisting behind her. And she started pointing into the dark shadows of the room, laughing harder and harder. And all of a sudden, I just had this strange thought in my head, and I said, What? What are you laughing at? Do you see something there? And the fear creeped in, and all of a sudden, the pink nightlight flickered, something it had never done before. And I leaned in to the shadows, and I said, uh, Hello? <laughs> And she started bouncing harder, lurching out of me, laughing hysterically. And the nightlight kept flickering and flickering and flickering. So I did what every mother would do. I plopped her in her crib and I bolted for the door. night <laughs> And then I made my husband go in and finish the job. Now look, she had many of these nighttime playdates dates. But as she got older, they sort of got less and less often, right? But then I had my son. And I would hear him at night through the baby monitor laughing. And look, either I have really happy kids who like to laugh themselves to sleep. (laughs) Or Papa is in there telling them stories of earrings and egg rolls. Amanda continues. Ear. uh, Chinese food. Sunday night dinner. Oh my God, goosebumps, that is that is my papa. She says, "There's there's someone else with him. Am I allowed to talk about anything that's happened in your life? Yeah. There's a baby spirit that follows you. Did you lose a baby? Yes. My throat clenches. This baby spirit likes to visit your children at night, and make them laugh. Tears spring down from my eyes. So, when I was a senior in college, I had to go to the on campus health center twice. I saw the same doctor both times. The first time was just a regular checkup and a pap smear. And while his gloved fingers were caressing the back of my 20 year old cervix, he asked me out for a cup of coffee. Determined to never go back and see this doctor again I was upset when I skipped my period and I needed to go in and get it checked out And with his hand on my inner thigh, he gave me the news Pregnant It was as if a faucet had turned on and tears streamed down my face My body started tingling with numbness As I walked down a long cold hallway to meet my boyfriend A boyfriend that I knew one day I was going to marry, which I did five years later. And I knew one day we would want to have kids together, which we did ten years later. We sat together on a bench on a cliff overlooking the marina. Many silent tears shared between us. Both of us always being pro-choice was not the hard part of this decision, The hard part was feeling like this baby was just happening at not a good time. I felt selfish and conflicted. My mom and my boyfriend took me a few days later to a clinic for an abortion. I sat alone in the room. My head was dizzy before they even gave me any drugs. And I heard the voice of the technician give me a play-by-play of every single thing she did as she vacuumed out my uterus. And all I could think about was, is it a girl? I don't want this to ruin my chances of one day having a daughter. Amanda stares at me. Nicole, she wants me to tell you something. Her favorite thing to do is to watch you play with your children. That makes her the happiest. I still feel so sad about that. She says not to feel sad. (sighs) A little reminder. As I leave Amanda's, weak in the knees, to take pleasure in the swings and the slides, I only have a few more years left of picking sand out of my nose. Pretty soon, they're not going to swing back to me and ask me for another push. They will be soaring on their own. That night, when I get home, I ransack my closet. It is time for some cleaning out of the skeletons. And as I put my daughter to bed that night, next to the familiar pink nightlight. I present her with a little gift. She opens up this old velvet jewelry box and she has the biggest smile when she sees these god-awful clip-on earrings. (laughs) And just then, the nightlight flickers and it throws our silhouettes up onto the wall. And I lean in to the middle of the room, into the shadows. And I say, good night, my angel. The light stops flickering, and we have not seen it flicker since. Thank you.
7: It's just after midnight, I'm in a nursing home in Cleveland, Ohio, at the bedside of my 94-year-old father, who is dying. You can probably hear him breathing here in the background. He's not dying from coronavirus, by the way. He's got end-stage congestive heart failure in bad timing I guess but we're at the part of his care where we're just trying to keep him comfortable it's the end of day two we're going into day three and that whole time he's been awake maybe for two minutes every time his eyes open my three sisters and I rush over and we tell him that we love him we hold his hand and we tell him it's okay go, go be with our mom who he misses so dearly who died six years ago from cancer this afternoon he woke up for a bit and he hugged each of us he didn't say anything and then he looked at the TV and the president was on and he made a sour face and he went ugh, Trump and for a couple hours after that I was scared to death that that was going to be his last words But it wasn't. A little bit after dinner time, my sisters were preparing to leave. I'm taking the night shift to be with them tonight. And out of nowhere, he opened his eyes, but he found his voice for the first time in a couple of days. And he said, Hey, hey, there's a table on the corner and it's only ten bucks. And we rushed over to his bedside. I was about to ask about the table when my sister Marty goes, We got the table. I bought it for you. We've got it. And my other sister was like, It's a great table. And then they held his hands and we cried. And we said, You can go see Mom. It's okay to let go. Bring her the table. It's a nice one. But he was back to sleep. Just like that. And as my sisters were putting their coats on, I leaned down to my dad's ear. And I shouted Hey, I paid for half that table just so you know and the three of us laughed tired laughs but good laughs and that's about it it's 12.15 now it's just he and I in the room I'm listening to his ragged breath and wondering when it's going to happen I love you dad and it's okay to go go be with mom she's waiting for you and she's going to love the table Knock, knock, on door. Knock, knock, on
1: door. That is all for this week's episode, folks. This is Bob Dylan behind me now, and we just heard from Pete Brown. Now, I originally recorded this episode on Sunday, March 22nd, but today's Monday, March 23rd, right as we're about to put the episode out, I got a message from Pete, and he said that his father has now passed away. Now, it wasn't from COVID, like he said, but we are entering a period where we are going to be experiencing loss. And so we just have to hang on and hold on to love. Now, Pete heard the call that we put out on the Risk Podcast Fans discussion group on Facebook for your anecdotes, your stories that are three minutes and 30 seconds long or shorter about how you're doing right now, focusing on specific incidents that have actually happened to you. So go there, check that out and send us yours. Now there is so much happening online right now. On Thursday, March 26 at 9:30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we're going to have our first ever Risk live stream online show. Everything you need to know is at risk-show.com/tour. Go get your tickets and check out the show. Hopefully there's hundreds of you there. It'll be really fun. Now, on March 28th and March 29th, that's when Gail Thomas, who is one of our faculty members at thestorystudio.org, she is going to be teaching a level one online group storytelling workshop. You'll be able to see other students and get feedback from them. So check that out if you go to thestorystudio.org, look for the March two-day level one online group storytelling workshop that will take place on March 28th and March 29th. Also, I have just created a guided meditation a 25 minute recording that leads someone who is thinking of telling a story, but doesn't yet know eh, how to start it, how to end it. A person might have some ideas of some things that will happen in their story, but they haven't yet mined their memory and, and they're not sure that they'll be able to remember all that they want to remember. So, if you sign up for one of my half-hour or hour-long brainstorming sessions, if you go to KevinAllison.com, I will personally sit there online with you, looking at you, you looking at me, both of us speaking together. I'll lead you through some brainstorming and then email you the guided meditation for you to just mine your memory and get the beginnings of a story rolling. And there's all sorts of other consultations I do with people. People who are preparing for business presentations. People who want to put together their own podcasts or shows. So that's at KevinAllison.com. All of our online classes you'll be able to find at the storystudio.org. And if you check out Risk, our online presence on social media, we're always at Risk Show. Especially on Facebook is a great way to keep track of what's going on with us. The Risk Podcast Fans discussion group on Facebook is especially active, and we're always making announcements over there. Don't forget, there's so much going on on our Patreon, too, at patreon.com slash risk. Like I said, over 100 bonus stories are available there now. The latest one is by Jono Wilson, and it sounds a little like this. This is it. This is it. I was going to finally have an acting job, and now I'm going to die. That and so much more is at patreon.com slash risk. Folks, hang in there. Take care of yourselves. Take care of others. Be safe. But, you know, where appropriate, <laughs> remember that today's the day. Take a risk. Knock, knock, knock and
7: Not nothing. That-